All yeah, right, so are uh, we going to do the show? Let's do the show. Is this the show right now? This is the show. Usually we start with some sort of song. Do you want to sing? I don't think we've started with a song in a very long time. Mm. That's, why we, that's why we adapted the, the mm noise. What was, what maybe was that? Are you that hungry? Or did you eat something yummy? No, that was the cow oh, noise. That was a cow noise. Yeah. We don't did have you cows, know, Emily so was telling me about this yesterday or the other day, mm-hmm. cows have friends? Yeah, us. Sam. What do you think about that? No, other like <laughs> cows have, are friends with each other. Like they've How done they studies did... on this. Okay. Well, that that's like, fine. Like, cows will show cows will like prefer to hang out with specific other cows, and when they're near their friends, like their heart rate is lower and they're just calmer. And however else they measure cow happiness, it doesn't surprise me too much. They seem to if you just watch cows and videos of cows online and stuff, they seem like they have a lot of um, emotions and can. You know, look sad and look happy. So the fact that they've got friends seems to it seems to all check for me. I've never watched them. Like there are always groups of cows out in the pasture, but I've never tagged like that's the two guys hanging out again. Like that's them. It's Larry um, and Mo hanging out yeah. over there doing what they really, always do. Can't really tell them all apart. What about um, pigs? I, do pigs have friends? I think so. I think pigs are as intelligent and uh, as you know they always say as pigs are as intelligent as dogs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they also. Um, have friends and man i hate to jump into pigs right away sam but oh today's the, the day the, yeah today was the day um, oh, okay now tell me wait we gotta hold on we're gonna put a, put that in the parking lot as we say in oh. the corporate world uh okay. check-in round yes i see you have one here yeah i just thought this is you know it is halloween after all yes um i was gonna ask what was your best are you first off are you dressing up this year for anything like this weekend you guys going anywhere i am dressed up currently as a podcaster oh good one good one what does that entail <laughs> headphones bottle of water talking into a mic oh, it's pretty it's pretty low effort <laughs> it is pretty low effort um uh no i we emily went out with some friends and she she has a friend who is so into halloween that basically she's like a full-service Halloween like costume provider. This okay. person made Emily's costume and brought it all with her, and all Emily had to do was show up. That's pretty awesome. Is her friend so? Is she like a seamstress? I don't know. I don't know the details of it. She's like she's just very crafty. Wow. That's pretty cool. So what'd she go as? Uh, a mermaid. Nice. Mm-hmm. You didn't go out with them? I did just not. Like, that was a, a, um, it was a, a man-made night. Okay. A, a man-made? Oh <laughs> Maybe a merman. Merman, <laughs> yeah. There's there's what you were looking for, I think. That's, uh, that's, that's the best I was looking for. So no costume this year. My best costume, uh, this is where my lack of creativity and fun uh, was really going to come out to bite me in the butt. I mean, in grad school one year. Oh, actually, here we go. <laughs> you have a best answer. I know your best answer. My best answer was in grad school, I dressed up as Tobias Funke. As, ding, ding. as yes. a never nude, as a never nude, which means if you're not familiar with the rest of development, I went to our Halloween party wearing only very, very short cutoff shorts. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I shaved my head to give myself a bald spot and I had a mustache. It was incredible commitment to a part. I feel like it really, um, it really was. I don't, it, I was a whole, I was a different person back then. I know. I can't believe you doing that. Well, you know, I was in grad school. I wanted to make a splash, meet some people, make some friends. So I got nearly naked and and, and shaved my head. Uh, (laughs) No, but, well, I mean, 
Emily and I have always considered October our like anniversary month. That's so, good because there's no day you can pinpoint. <laughs> yeah. So like the Halloween party actually was like one of the first times we hung out. Oh wow. So she must. Hmm. I don't know yeah. What, what that says about her. We're gonna have to unpack that in the future. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. We'll invite her on the show. We'll hear her have to say why. Maybe that was it. You know, that could have been the moment. Well, you know, when you see a uh, pretty unathletic guy wearing only very small shorts, it does things to you. Yeah. Well, as Malcolm Gladwell says, there's a there's a tipping point, Sam, for everything. That I'm That's, sure that was her tipping point. Uh, I, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I'm not sure you've read that book. Oh, I think I read it. <laughs> okay. Pretty sure it's what it's about. I think you read the title and then no. kind of adapted it to whatever you wanted. Yeah, you know, I just felt like it would be good in social situations where I could mention Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, look at you. Wow, <laughs> name dropper. Yeah, All right, right, what about what about you? Are, what do you dress up as this year? We're hosting a Halloween party on Saturday uh, at the farm for, like, my coworkers and then some of Haley's friends from work. You should, it go in the to, you should go as a farmer. What's that? Is everyone going to come as a farmer? I don't think so. Oh, sec- think- sexy farmer. Yeah, I think that'd be more. Uh, yeah, that's better. I think with farmers is they look for any chance to not have to dress in muddy, dirty clothes. Not wear your um, barn clothes. Yeah, so having a nice, a nice event to dress anything else um, will be fun. But um, so we're hosting, yeah, a Halloween party. So I'm going as Shaggy, and Haley is going as Velma. It's a pretty low effort costume on my part. I put on a pair of brown pants and a green shirt. Yep. And I mean, just look kind of disheveled. Yep. Um, and then our dog can be can be Scooby. Your dog but, does kind of vaguely look like Scooby in that she's a dog shaped dog. So <laughs> yeah, I guess she's not like a corgi or something. So no. she does have proper proportions. Minus being a Great Dane, which I'm pretty sure Scooby is. So is Scooby a Great Dane? Yes, I think so. Hmm. Well, he's like he's no. a demon human dog, is what he is. Yeah, that's true. But um, my best one ever. It's hard to say. Last year we were. It was pretty good because mom. I got, mom has come full circle from when we were children and she made us costumes and we hated, you know, usually what she had to put us in, in terms of like when we were the skunk or when you were one of the costumes that you didn't want to be, um, to probably, yeah, a, but that a was like that, when we were very young because yeah, when we yeah, were like in prime so. Halloween years, she always just, she, we always had the best costumes because mom made incredible costumes. That is true. And it is continued on. I feel like now that some of it, there was a gap in there probably through high school and whatnot where we were not dressing up very much minus you dressing as a lady one year. I'm pretty sure. I think that was high school. Yeah, it was. Um, there's a that scary was, picture. You hope you don't ever run for president or anything where people start yeah, digging into gonna, your past. We're going to have to burn that one. Because <laughs> that picture comes out. That is, oh, it's over for sure. Yeah. Um, that, that'll be your scandal. It doesn't need to be anything else. Eh. <laughs> but I anyway, it's good. There was a gap in there where she didn't make a lot of costumes for us. And then now I feel like as we're getting older, a lot of us are calling upon mom to start making costumes again. Um, yeah. I'm like, you've had to do that yet. But I did that last year and she made me a 70s outfit with some good bell bottom like flare pants and a fun paisley colored uh, patterned shirt. And I shaved my beard and left the mustache, which was terribly creepy. Um, <laughs> we got to talk and- about mustaches because I'm very close to having a mustache for November. Oh wow! You're gonna go. You're gonna go Movember. I'm thinking about it. You could, you could probably do it though. You're just, it's a pretty full lip you got. I feel like my hair is too light. Right, we'll talk about it. Can't <laughs> take you off. I want to take you off your topic. I know that was pretty much All it. Right, so last right. year was a good costume. It was a '70s costume. Um, we went to a '70s themed party as well. So it was nice to be there. And then I did win best costume amongst the guys. Wow! In the 70s. Look at you. So that's almost a shout what? out to mom. When we were trick or treating. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What was your favorite candy to receive while trick or treating? I was mostly a Kit Kat person hmm. to the Kit point where I trade away almost all of this is because I was crazy when I was younger. I trade away all my Reese's Whoa. usually to Joey or whoever the highest bidder would be because as it has. Maybe both family. Well, no, maybe families weren't big enough for this. Our family ran a bazaar after we got back. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> we like we had this like holiday. weird little candy economy that would happen in our house for a couple of weeks while we a- traded our our surplus. And it was the the best part was was literally the night of Halloween when we all got back. It would be like the first main effort, and yeah. that would be where we would literally move around the room. At least I remember there used to be like an end table that one person would set their stuff up on and you would like take us an area, part of the coffee table, yeah, something set up your wares, set up your wares <laughs> and you would put out literally what you were looking yeah. to get rid of. Yeah. It was uh, like a big game of settlers of Catan. Reese's for Kit Kat, Reese's for yeah. Kit Kat. And you would, you'd just move around yeah. and you'd just make trades with each other. You'd put the bowl in the middle that was for all trash candy. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, like paydays or anything um, that looked vaguely albums. homemade. Yeah, for sure. Um, and those those all went to dad and mom, mostly yep. dad. Yep. And yeah, we ran that little economy. So I was always trading away Reese's for for Kit Kat or Twix or something like that or Crunch. I really like Crunch bars, which are kind of a boring candy. They really are. But um, yeah, that was my favorite. Are all you? Right. What, what were you? I'm a Snickers man through and through. <laughs> to this day. Oh, to this day, absolutely. You stay a Snickers man. I love Snickers so much. I mean, I'll eat almost any candy. But if I'm going to go chocolate or candy bar, it's Snickers. I, I do like Twix. I do like Kit Kat. If I'm going to go kind of fruity or sour, I'm all about those Sour Patch children. Mm. Other two, I don't, I won't kind of tell you this. Well, you, you were with me. We saw that Sour Patch Kids ice cream at the store. I'm surprised oh my God, that sounds terrible. I'm surprised you didn't try that. Ugh. Yeah. But okay, anyway. well, there's, that's a good segue. Yeah. We saw that because we were at Brothers Weekend. We were at Brothers Weekend because, and that's partly why. No, that's not a good excuse for why we didn't record last week. I can't remember, but we're on this weird schedule right now. I was traveling for work last week. Ah, that's right. That's right. Um, So, yeah, last two weekends ago was Brothers Weekend. Yep. Um, What did we do, Sam? We, well, you and I. What did we do? What did we do? I mean, it was a crazy (laughs) time. Well, you and I flew into the Detroit airport, and we found each other, and then we rented a car, and then we Mm -hmm. drove that car to our other brother, Lewis, who we picked up. And then we went to breakfast, the three of us. Then okay, no, we people went. don't want to hear this detail. <laughs> and then what did you have for breakfast? I had steak and eggs. Oh, we got pancakes for the table. Pancakes for the table. I did my normal, like, eggs, hash browns, yep, bacon. Yep. I don't remember Usually. what Louie got. Same thing as me, I think. Yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> then, then we went and hung out with mom for a bit. Mm-hmm, that we did. And then we left, I think, to drive there. Yes, that all checks out. Yeah. Where, where was there? East Tawas, which is on Lake Huron, about three hours north of Detroit. And we got there. It was this little cabin. It was mm-hmm. super cool. And we, well, I think, what, did we, did we immediately go find the water and kind of, no, it was too dark. That was the next day. We yeah. uh, we just hung out. We played video games all night, basically. Yep, pretty much. Not all night. Town. Painted I was in bed by like 11, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a late night affair any yeah. of the nights. Oh, yeah. We went to dinner together with joey when he got there sure did. we ate some i will now that we're away from this weekend say that was some pretty terrible food mm, uh, i like <laughs> those wings man they were good all right all right agree to, agree to disagree we went to a restaurant where i don't, I don't even know how you describe the as all the things online said it was a sports not much bar. of an atmosphere inside <laughs> no the atmosphere was generic sports bar 
Yeah, that's true. With not that many TVs for considering the average. Well, I think we. Is. I realized as we were leaving, like there was a whole another section of the restaurant that we didn't even go into that had all the TVs and like a pool oh. table and stuff. Sorry, we were there for each other's conversation. That's right. We were we were bonding. Mm-hmm. Mostly so, chirping each other for the food decisions that we made. Yeah, yeah, and uh, really, there's not much more to say about the whole weekend. Um, no, yeah, I mean, we did go out to the water a couple times, but it was cold, and yeah. it's not like we went swimming or anything. We mm-hmm. just kind of walked along the beach for a little while and took some very nice pictures. Got sand in our shoes. Sand in our shoes. I got my feet wet because we were trying to play a game where you would see who could go furthest out into the water when it when the waves were receding mm-hmm. and then come back before getting your feet wet. And yeah. I, I mean, I won and lost. I won in that I went the furthest, but I lost because the waves got me. Gotcha. So how does that actually work then? I don't think you win. Is that just well, it <laughs> kind of depends on what you're willing to risk. I was yeah. willing to risk wet feet, so I got the furthest. I know. You're a real pioneer in the sport. I am. Uh, and then we played a decent amount of Frisbee. We usually played Frisbee for a while until someone threw it into the woods, and then we would stop. And the reason was usually we decided that might have poison ivy on might it. Have poison but we would ivy never, on it. But the best part was, guess what? Never wash the Frisbee. Nope. We would, we just, would just wait stop. for a while. <laughs> and, like, forget. Like, there's a half-life. There's a half-life, on, on, apparently, on poison ivy. And we thought, that's good to use it again. Yeah, it's fine now. <laughs> and we invented a game where Joey would hit... The frisbee with a broom, and mm-hmm. then try to catch it. Yep, play that. For he was the bit. only one that played. Yeah, he is the only one that played. <laughs> that was and, a score with one guy. And then, other than that, we played uh, some game that Louis brought, uh, like a dice rolling board type game. And we played a lot of video games and ate a bunch of snacks. Oh, we went to the grocery store. Remember that? We did have a grocery store adventure. Yeah, adventure is a stretch of the word, but. I bought I bought uh what was it called sugar cookie crunch cereal, mm-hmm. wasn't that good? No, it was not that good. Um, what else did we get? We made a lot of bad decisions. Cat crunch, <laughs> ice Cap cream crunch. sandwiches, chips, chips. Ahoy cookies, chips ahoy, famous, famous Amos cookies, cheese one cookie wasn't enough. Liquid cheese, yeah, queso. Some would call it. Yeah, oh, I guess so. If you want to be culturally sensitive. But yeah, so good weekend. It was the it first was good. It was fun. Little brothers weekend. And then we drove back and I flew home. And, did. You, and you did not fly home. Why didn't you fly home, Max? Because I got a sweet new old <laughs> new old car. New to you. Um, not new to the we, world. Yes, very, new to me, 10 years old. We talked about but, it uh, last episode a little bit. That's true. We did say that I was going to I broke the news to you. Um yeah. so, so how was your drive back? Uh, you know, it was actually incredibly uneventful but i did the whole 13 hours without you know actually i sometimes struggle with getting sleep while i'm driving but i this bulk of this drive was during the like bright bright part of the day and it was actually a very nice day too so did you go through canada i decided not to because the it was only gonna save me 30 minutes and borders Uh, can usually take about 15 minutes the two times you have to cross through it so i decided that i wouldn't go that way um and just do the drive that i knew which involved driving through boring old ohio uh, just a little glimpse of Pennsylvania, and then most a of, ton New of New York. Yeah, uh, five hours of New York. New York so is I, a big ass state. It's a huge state, and you especially don't really the part that I'm driving across. <laughs> until you drive it, yeah, yeah. It's and huge. so I saw from Buffalo to Albany, as they say, mm. and on uh, a beautiful whatever turnpike that was, or I seventy. I don't know. Yeah, ninety I ninety I think. Uh, okay. And you're on that forever. And then actually the most interesting part of the drive is Massachusetts, but it was dark by the time I got into Massachusetts. Um, but I made okay time. It took about thirteen hours. That away. 
and I cranked out about 11 hours of podcast. Wow. <laughs> was, yeah. Mostly uh, Flophouse? A lot of Flophouse. I had a I decided to listen to a backlog of some Aaron Mankey work. Nice. Um, and I, I threw in some some McElroy Brothers shows and things like that. But, yes, it was a lot of the Flophouse as well. Right. Um, but it was good. It was a lot of fun. And then I had uh, Hamilton to carry me home. That was what I switched <laughs> to so I could keep myself awake by just uh, rapping along. So. Yeah, oh, wow. So you, you, you did not throw away your shot? I did not. It's good. <laughs> Sick, dude. Were you were – you, are you satisfied? Yeah, I, I wasn't going to wait that's for my, it. That's my favorite song. Mm-hmm. Satisfied? Yeah. It's Actually, good. I, discovered, I, just, I discovered my new favorite song of Hamilton when Haley and I were listening to it recently on another driving adventure that I should talk about. But um, we listened to the song nonstop from that musical. It has probably the best drum beat I've ever heard in a song. I don't remember it's that very, one. very, very, like, jungly slash stomp-esque. Do you uh, want to <laughs> give me a couple bars? No, I do not. Just rap. Especially when I said the best part of the song is the drum beat. I'm not going to try to recreate that. Be a drum. Be a drum. No, that's okay. I'm not going to be a drum. All right. But I will mention that that was – so that drive went well. Nothing went wrong with the car. I was getting used to it. Nice drive. Um, You know, put 800 miles or whatever it is on on the car in that trip. And then – which the car already has 130,000 on it. But – I drove last weekend. I was like, oh, we'll celebrate Haley's birthday early. Let's do a birthday weekend up in Portland, Maine. We'll just do a day trip up there. It's like two and a half hours away. Um, heard a lot of good things about it. Like, we'll drive up there, hop in my car again, because we're trying to, that's the whole point of having my car was for things like this. Yep. And we were chugging along and making good time and got into Maine. And then all of a sudden, nothing actually happened at first. The car just like, I just got a weird like feeling like something doesn't feel right anymore. And I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And then about 10 seconds later, the uh, battery light came on, the check engine light came on, and I felt something very off and pulled over because um, I couldn't accelerate or anything anymore. Got off on the, the shoulder of a highway. I did the classic guy thing, you know, when you're like, yeah, I'll go look under the hood. <laughs> In reality, I'm already thinking, like, I'm going to call AAA. Well, no- yeah. Okay. Hold on. Yep. Hold on. Yes, sir. <laughs> so you went and popped open the hood. Mm-hmm. What could you have possibly seen in there that would have changed your situation in any way? <laughs> you know, it's a good question. I um, imagine I, you pop I, I, that I, hood. You pop that hood and you're like, huh, so that's what an engine looks like. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so I opened up the hood. All, honestly, the only thing that would have made it anything easy worth fixing was if a, a branch was jammed in there and I just thought maybe, well, let's pull this out and maybe nothing's broken. Or, yeah, yeah if there was somehow was like a button that said push here to fix. Yeah, turn turn on, off and on again. And um, <laughs> yeah, where, where's the reboot button? <laughs> so I left the lifted the hood and looked at it and thought, yeah, there's actually the thing is I could instantly tell I could see what was wrong with the car. There was a belt that had come off. I could tell that much. Um, I could see the pulley, which I was the pants to were going to fall down. The belt came out, came off. What's that? If the, if the belt came off, the pants probably fell down. <laughs> they were very close. That's why I pulled over so quick. Yeah, you don't want to lose your car pants. No, you lose <laughs> your car pants. You're in a lot of trouble. Car pants are, you know, terribly expensive. It's the fix you never think about until you lose your belts. And um, so anyways, the belt was still attached underneath the car. But long story short, we called AAA to get towed. Uh, we were about 30 minutes away from Portland at this point, which is a real bummer. And they threw many, many phone calls and talking to AAA and a close Ford dealership. This was a Saturday. They were open till 4 and describing what I thought visually was wrong with the car. Oh, God. That must have been so nerve-wracking. Sure was. You had um, to describe how your car was broken over the phone to an expert? Yeah. Oh, so, anxiety. So, 
She was so supportive. But okay. um, so it helped. Here's a couple of things that made it, made it useful. I can tell her what couple of things happened when I was in the car, like what light came on first before the check engine, yeah. what happened. And then because I was lucky and it was this belt related issue and I saw the belt didn't come detached. It was still attached to the car, but like uh-huh. it came off the pulley. So the belt didn't break. It was off this pulley and it was laying underneath the car. Yeah. So I could tell her that what miles it was and everything and she had a pretty good idea and then i also talked to dad and he thought that it was like an alternator belt or something yeah and the lady and i were talking back and forth and i told her everything i could she did ask me like you know what size engine that is and i said big <laughs> oh. it's <was> big <laughs> <laughs> one of them big ones she was like 4.8 5.6 like six point yeah 6.4 maybe even <laughs> whatever, who knows like, whatever like, yeah. whatever it takes <laughs> yeah whatever it takes so that was great Oh, man. So did they, so they towed you to that dealership and they were able to fix yeah. it or what? Yeah, so AAA, their choices were tow us all the way home, 85 miles. But because we've got that gold membership, AAA, that would have been free. But that would have been a long tow truck ride. Um, and the lady at Ford said she was pretty sure they'd be able to fix it in the day. If they couldn't have fixed it that day, that would have sucked. We would have to find a way home. Yeah. I don't know. We would have figured it out. You but, probably just got in a hotel in Portland or something. Yeah, we stayed. Um, we, we dropped the car off and it did take them four hours to fix it. Um, we wow. sat and watched a lot of Premier League soccer. Haley napped. Uh, we ate some snacks, drank bad coffee. <laughs> really, at the all bowl. just hanging out in the dealership. You guys didn't like yeah. go anywhere else. No, we decided not to. We weren't really in much. I mean, we could have gone out for lunch or something, but we weren't sure how long it was going to take. And right. yeah, so it took pretty much the whole four hours. Got in the car and still went for a short night in Portland, which was really nice. So it would have been nice to spend more time. Right? Yeah, which was the goal, but um, so that was the first big car break on my second. So trip. what? What do you know? What like what was the diagnosis? What was actually broken? What happened? It was actually I don't know if you were following the family text since our brother Nate has this exact same car, but one year newer. At about this many mileage, his water pump basically exploded or what broke and knocked a belt off. Is what Corey mm-hmm. told me. So I was like, oh, maybe it's that. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things go wrong with cars, and that's exactly what it was. The water wow. pump came off, knocked the belt off. Um, not a cheap fix, but at this point it was pay whatever it was going to take to get my right. car back. So has it been okay was, since then? It has been okay since then. I'm That's hoping good. it'll continue to be <laughs> good now for a while. Do you think but, maybe our next podcast should be a car, our car talk podcast? Oh, I think it should definitely be a car talk podcast. <laughs> you call it with your problems. We're going to ask you questions about your car. Yep. Um, but so yeah, I've had a lot of car, car ventures, but the freedom of having a car again is very, very nice. I'm not going to lie. It um, is nice having a car. Is so me and Boca have been going on hikes and stuff now that I'm done with work. So we've just been yeah. Just so been, how have you been filling your time, Mister Mister Man of Leisure? I know it's a weird feeling um, to like not have anything that you need to do when you wake up in the morning. But Does I've Haley been hate to, you yet? No, I'm trying to be a really good boyfriend. I'm <laughs> making dinner. I last yesterday I baked another round of bread. I've been cleaning the house, and you know mm-hmm. everything is very clean here right now. Um, okay. So doing a lot of stuff like that to try and not feel useless for her and also for myself. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, honestly, just a lot of reading. I watched all of the newest season of Letterkenny. Um, just all big things, you know. Boke and I are going on long walks every day and hikes. And yeah, so that's about it. I, it is day three of this, day four of this. Oh, really? I thought it had been longer. Okay. No, so since Monday, it was Monday, last oh, gotcha. Friday, my last day of work. So, yeah, it's been, that's long enough for me, honestly. It's like yeah. you start to feel pretty useless pretty fast. Wait, and did, hold on. I, we, we, I forgot we put something in the parking lot and never came back to it. Did you help with the pigs today? 
No, I offered to. Um, Kaylee thought that'd be all right. So there was actually a pig plan. Last time you asked if there was a sheep plan, and our sheep plan was feed them. Your sheep the plan trailer. was basically, yeah, to we'll get the coffin one out of here, put some yeah. put some grain in the trailer, and then try to kick them out so you don't they all wouldn't leave at once. Yep, um, and that worked well for sheep. But mm-hmm. we actually had a pig plan. Um, I had mentioned that one of the pigs was not doing well. Um, that pig was fine. Did make it all the way to today. Um, they do have, uh, actually a, a USDA certified person at the, um, slaughterhouse that checks the meat and everything to make sure, you know, oh, yeah. they, Emily had some out. questions about, about slaughtering a sick pig and then eating yeah. it. Yeah. So if you feel bad or worried about what our pork is going to be like, you should not eat pork from anywhere. Um, in that case, <laughs> um, because there was, we were following a strict window of, you know, how late you could put antibiotics in it. Right. Um, things like that. And then the illness was. They told us multiple times that it was not going to be in the meat, but they were going to, you know, they still, they still check it. That's why there's a USDA person there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll find out tomorrow when they go to pick it up if there was anything wrong with it. Um, yeah, that would suck of one of our six pigs that we raised. But um, yeah. so that being said, though, the pig was, I mean, kind of held steady at the level of, of sickness it was at, which is it was eating and doing everything fine, just very kind of gimpy um, and stiff. Um, so we'll see how that went. But the pig plan was they – um, backed the, they actually got the trailer a few days early and backed it up into their pen, built the fence around or moved the fence around it. And then the past three days have been feeding them in the trailer, oh. making them get into it every day to kind of get used to the trailer. And so this morning, it sounds like it actually could have gone really well. If it wasn't for the one sick pig. So five of them were in there. The only one not in the trailer was the one that was, um, kind of gimpy because it was a little bit of a step up mm-hmm. and it could make the step, but it just didn't like to. And so they had five in there. Like, all we had to do is get this one other one in there. Well, in the time they were trying to get the one, the other five got out of the trailer. Oh, They're like, classic. <laughs> Bait and switch. Yeah. And uh, so they did eventually, they kind of lifted up the the sick one to help it get in there, like lifted its back legs up. Uh-huh. And then the other five, they had herded in there. And actually getting the pigs into the trailer wasn't the hard part. Um, our pasture is kind of at the end of a hill. And so it's been raining here for three days straight. And it took 45 minutes for them to go 100 feet up the hill. Oh, man. Um, putting just like gravel and then hay and then sticks and plywood under the tires to slowly get it to go up the hill. So it was, it sounded like quite the fiasco. Um, but they they all, they were all dropped off this morning and uh, all went well. I don't know the max, the, what the weights were. We can right. place bets on what you think the fattest one might have been. Uh, 392. <laughs> You're so off. <laughs> That's so high. Really? I think in 200 maybe. Hmm. 200 225. But I think you're yeah. under. Unless I mean they seemed pretty uh all right no I'm going to say hold on. I'm going to wikipedia how big okay. pigs are. <laughs> pigs do. Well, pigs can get huge, but these were like a an heirloom breed plus, you know, they're being pasture raised, they're not being grain fed very much, so like there's a lot of variables at play. I think huh. a good year for them is like 175 to 225. Um so I'd say that again, they fall somewhere within that range. But all in all, pigs have been have been delivered. All right. Um, so yeah. Then, what did then, you that, What did you learn from your first? So this is your first season of like really farming any sort of animal, right? Yeah. Yes. What's your um, big takeaway from the lamb pig experiment? I well, it might be a little different because I wasn't the one feeding them every yeah, day. Yeah. Well, and you avoided you didn't you didn't have to take its temperature in the butt and administer anything, and you just kind of I feel like maybe you and I kind of did the same amount of work on these two on the, on this project. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess maybe that's true. Maybe that's me pointing out that I don't really want to be a livestock farmer. 
but I suppose it might be. Um, I also probably the most heartless of the crew, which was I was the least affected by both days of having to, or three days of loading these animals up. <laughs> okay. Again, I think that's partly my involvement in the whole operation, but yeah. um, we all handled it differently, and apparently I showed no emotion, which is scary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't foresee myself raising um, animals or like livestock for a big profit or anything. I could, I think, see myself having. Pigs are very fun to raise in terms of they will eat lots of things. They do a good job tearing up an area. You know, you don't have to give them prime pasture. They'll eat anything. Um, they have actually a lot of personality and they're fun to raise. So I could see myself like raising a small group of them and like maybe you only butcher like one a year for yourself, for your family because 175 pounds of pork goes a long way. Yeah. Um, so I could see myself doing something like that. I'm not going to raise lamb for meat or anything um maybe i could see myself doing it for wool but even that it's tough because there's so many illnesses that uh sheep get but it was interesting to finally be on a farm that had that element you know where scrap food can go to the livestock or there's this, there's a daily chore of including the livestock um and i do like the way it, it diversifies a farm and kind of um i don't know it feels more well-rounded when you have that aspect on a farm yeah and yeah you just feel more farmery you know when you can be in there in the pig pasture slugging five gallon buckets of of slop and, and you know food scraps to feed them oh yeah and if they, you've never they, if you've never thrown a bucket of slop you probably can't even call yourself a farmer i know no that's one of the that's one of the tests there one of the questions they ask you you know yeah. before you can ever put that on your resume so um it was yeah it was something new which is the whole point of always trying to work on a different farm or a new farm is you're hoping to experience something that you haven't before so I think that aspect was, you know, a success. I would definitely say they're going to have them again next year that maybe I'll try to involve myself a little bit more um, just so I can actually learn a bit more of the, in, yeah. the inner workings because it is probably important to learn a little bit more than just how you load them in a trailer to take them to, <laughs> yeah. take them to the slaughterhouse. So, I still think you should go get an internship at the slaughterhouse. I don't. Um, yeah, no. It's not <laughs> okay. going hap- to be good for my happiness. All right. I'm all about learning new things, but – I don't know if I want to be miserable while I'm doing it. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Appreciate the offer, though. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's me mostly up to date. Um, what's, this what work di- what's this work dinner thing? Oh, that was that was just we um, did an end-of-the-season farm dinner at one of our restaurants um, with the whole crew. So the five of us went out to eat um, at the Bancroft, which is like our – it's the one I went for my birthday, actually. But it's a pretty fancy um, – the fancier of the Weber restaurant groups. Um uh, uh, and it was one of those dinners where it was owner comped, so we were like, we got to nice. try the menu, basically. So we, and um, so we we went pretty big. We had a lot of appetizers, tried a lot of very good food. Um, I did some. The only exciting thing I really did with dinner was we were sitting there. You know, they give you a dessert menu, and there's a des- dessert drinks that are supposed to go along with it. That's not yeah. just coffee. Yeah. And like, I was just reading down like dessert wines and stuff, and I was like, what's what's cognac? Like, I know what it is, <laughs> but like, what's cognac? What's the cognac all about? Um, and my one coworker who's very into spirits and stuff was brandy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a, yeah, like a A whiskey. Yeah. Like a whiskey, but sweeter basically. That's kind of her description of it. And I was like, well, I I like whiskey, so I'll try it. And you know, not many times am I ever going to get cognac with dessert when I'm eating by myself. So I did, I did do that. I felt really fancy just to be, to have this like chalice in my hand, but, um, it was good. I mean, I think I'd still, if I'm going to order a drink with dessert, I'd rather have coffee. Um, coffee's not $14. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so that was, it was, it was a really nice dinner. Um, one of my coworkers is actually, it was nice to catch up with everyone, but one of my coworkers is going to do a farming internship in Hawaii. What? 
Um, she leaves. That's awesome. She is yeah. living her life correctly. That's that's. Yeah. If you're going to do an internship somewhere where you have to work outside, Hawaii seems pretty great. Yeah, so she leaves early November to go out there for a whole year to farm. Um, she's the one that's big into surfing too, so she's pretty excited. So that was cool to wow. kind of see where she's off to um, and just catch up with everyone. It was just a nice re- uh, cap to the farming season when I would say yeah. this has been hands down my most enjoyable season of farming ever um, and my the best crew I've ever worked with. So what made this being, what made this crew good? As my one coworker put, like everyone was, I mean, it's a small crew, but everyone was invested in the farm. So a lot of times when you work on farms, especially when they're bigger, you, they hire in a crew for harvesting and stuff. And these are all mostly like last year we did this, like college kids, they're looking for a summer job, people that are just looking for a way to fill a seasonal position. And that's fine. And you know, I, we had awesome coworkers last year, but for the most part, they're not all interested in the future in farming. And the people I worked with this year, everyone has a passion of some sort for farming, even mm-hmm. the one who's a Latin teacher in high school. You know, this mm-hmm. is his like seventh summer working on a farm and he wants to incorporate, you know, farming into his future life in some That's form. Cool. And, you know, obviously both of my managers are very interested in running their own farms in the future. Um, and so am I. And the one, the only one that was kind of like questionable is the one that's actually going to do the farming internship in Hawaii now. And she's this season kind of like solidified her interest in food. So she's going on to do that. So just nice to be surrounded by people that want to be there and yeah. care about the success of the farm and asking a lot of questions and learning. And, you know, it was a very just like no one was butting heads. Everyone was very open to learning about whatever they needed to learn. Um, yeah, it was just super. I was like very comfortable all season, which is, I you know, uncomfortable and like new experiences with farming, but never uncomfortable with like the interaction and the social interaction on the farm. Right. And yeah. That weighs heavy when you're farming around these people. Like I said, you spend eight hours a day with these people, 40 hours a week. That's a lot of time to be in. Imagine being, you know, I mean, maybe you, your coworkers, you were at this retreat, you can tell us, but like imagine, you know, 40 hours a week working side by side with these people. Um, it's an easy make or break for a season. Yeah, uh, totally. And then other than that, it was, it was cool to work on a farm where, you know, one acre, you see everything and yeah, you really um, have your arms around it. Yeah. And you never, never felt behind. And it was also just a good growing season. We had really good weather. We had, you know, really good crops, not much failed. Um, you know, got for once getting to see how it's used in a restaurant and seeing the other side of things made it, you know, a lot more satisfying. So yeah, it was really good. I'm excited for next year, which I'm pretty sure I'll be back here farming. So Cool. See what new things develop with that. But when does officially that start up again? It varies for everybody because we're so small. I don't think I'll start working on the farm like part time until like mid March. Maybe they kick okay. the greenhouse on March first, which we'll start doing onions and all of our early season stuff in the greenhouse. Um, so it'll it'll be pretty part time through March, full time probably striking in April, unless there are some potential projects in the future of expanding the farm, and that could pull me in earlier, which would be great. Um, so yeah, now I'm in the winter times in the winter times. Yep. So, all right. What about you? What have you been up to? We didn't record last week because of you. What were you doing? What was I doing? Let's look at my calendar. You were, I can tell you what you were doing. You don't need to look at your calendar. I was at a company retreat. There you go. (laughs) My, my own company's retreat, not somebody else's, uh, retreat. Yeah. The ready, I'm sure we've had one of these since we've started recording because we do them every four months. Sure. We did. You guys went – I think you were in New York last time, weren't you? Yes. And you claimed to be upstate and you were told wrong? Yes. <laughs> I believe so. And this one was also in New York. Even less upstate, I believe. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. It was in this little village called Rhinebeck, which mm-hmm. is really cool. It's really quaint and, and nice. Um, it's on the Hudson, right on the Hudson, about an hour or so north of New York City. Uh, so, yeah, last last week, last Wednesday, I took the train from D.C. to New York. And then from Penn Station in New York up to Rhine, the actual station is called Rhinecliff. Um, and then, yeah, that first that first evening, we don't really do any. It's a, it's a travel day, basically. So my colleagues who have further to travel obviously have longer travel days. Although my travel day was pretty long. Like, Can I ask you? Yeah. So yeah. Will you tell us about this train experience. How many hours were you actually trained? So my train left D.C. at 1. I arrived at Penn Station... Uh, I don't have it broken out like that. But basically, I left my, I left DC at one. I arrived in Rhinebeck um, a little after six. Okay, it's not terrible. Not terrible. I had a little bit of like a layover in Penn Station where I had to switch trains to go north. Yeah. Um, so yeah, not not super bad. Um, and going via train can be nice. Like the seats are obviously nicer. You have a power outlet right there. Mm-hmm. It's easier to kind of like work or read or watch stuff um, on the train. So it's not it's not bad. There are worse ways to travel for sure. Um, I, yeah, as I said, I've never train train traveled before. Do you in situations like this? Do you like it more than flying? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of from when I'm going to New York. I always convince myself that I should take the train, and then I do, and I'm kind of like mixed feelings about it. I'm like, ah, this feels kind of long. I should maybe I should have just flown. But every time mm-hmm. I fly to New York, I'm like, man, why didn't I take the train? So like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm of two minds uh, about it. Like New York yeah. flying, like, but, but all three New York area airports suck, and yep. having to drive in New York sucks. And anything you can do to avoid traffic is worth doing. So I think. All else being equal, I prefer taking the, the train when I'm going to New York. I've gotcha. done train from Detroit to L.A. as well, and that's a whole different uh, that's a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost said pack of cards, and then I had I beast said, in my mind, and I almost said pack of beast. I was gonna say bucket of fish. Is that a thing? Of fish? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I've seen fish in a bucket before. All right. So that first night, um, check into the hotel, which is really nice, like resort up there. Um, and then we just went is to it, dinner. Is it just you guys, or is it? Yeah, it's um, just. I'll, I mean, like, is the the retreat or the the hotel just? Oh no, there guys are other, for this. Okay, there are other people there for sure. It wasn't that big of a hotel, but there's definitely other people there. Um, and then we just went to dinner somewhere within walking distance of the hotel. And whenever we get together for, for meals, um, at these retreats that we're talking like multi, multi hour affairs. Like, I think we were at the restaurant for like four hours. That's Uh, nice though. That's a good time. Yeah, it is. It is nice catching up with people because we all work remotely. Uh, Most of these people I only see at retreats. Yeah. Um, other than just maybe on video calls, I'll see people or, you know, I see them on Slack, uh, but I don't actually spend any physical time with them except for at retreats. Um, and then the next day, uh, so all day Thursday and most of the day Friday are our actual work days. We had uh, like a big kind of event space at a co-working space not far from the hotel. It was actually like a 20-minute walk away, which was nice. And we, you know, spend two days working on stuff together. And primarily we use these retreats as an opportunity for us to kind of ask ourselves how things are going for us as a company and Mm -hmm. take a break from thinking about client work to instead think about our own organization, um, which 
you know, you might think that a company that is dedicated to helping other organizations figure out how to function better must be like the most optimally functioning organization in the world. And really, it's it's not like we we spend we're so focused on client work. It's actually tough for us to make the time to do that same type of work on ourselves. So we're trying to kind of pack a lot of it into these couple of days that we have every four months. And really this year, we've introduced a lot more structure to how we run the retreat because through a series of decisions, we've decided that we are going to actually invest in internal initiatives that we will be running. So instead, in the the past, we've identified things that we need to do differently and basically, you know, said like, ah, we're going to do this thing and we're all going to work on it over the next couple of months. And then inevitably it gets deprioritized as we work on client stuff and we don't finish as much as we had hoped we would finish on our own internal processes. So this year we're actually, we, we governed a role called an initiative steward, which is basically an elected position. And that person is, Um, If their proposal is uh, accepted and invested in, they are in charge of essentially spending the budget that is allocated to them to make their project happen, whether it's hiring internal colleagues to to take on some of that work or hiring external freelancers or other folks to to do the work. It's really kind of up to them to run this project like an actual project and, and actually have money Uh, attached to it. So a lot of the retreat was us figuring out, well, given, given our purpose and our, what we call our essential intent, which is basically the, the really large buckets of work that we think we need to do over the next few years and how we have been doing so far, what should we invest in? What should the initiatives be? And how do we decide which ones we can do now, which ones we should do later? And how do we divvy up, you know, the roughly, about 80k or so that we set aside for these internal um, projects. So it was it was f- actually a lot of fun to be talking about like concrete things and concrete numbers, and you know coming out the the back of it, I ended up being um, selected as an initiative steward for an initiative around basically writing and publishing two really high quality articles for either our own publication or potentially in uh, in some other uh, publication. But, you know, we decided that our brand is really important and mm-hmm. we haven't really made any investments in it in a while in an, in an explicit way. And in the past, you know, we have some articles out there that we have gotten a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of good things have happened because of some of the stuff we've written in the past. So I have, you know, a, a substantial chunk of money to go either hire some of my colleagues to write these articles or more what's more likely to happen is I'm going to set aside a good chunk of it to find a really really good editor who can help push our our writing to a a level that we haven't really achieved yet with anything that we've published so far so gotcha. over the next 4 months or so I'm I am responsible for us writing two really just really good articles um and and getting them out into the world so that is both you know it's exciting because it's that was an initiative that i put forward that i thought was important and actually the version that i originally put forward was like 10 articles and then my colleagues kind of like talked me down from that (laughs) and then i had it down to four and then we realized like if we if i took a 
we, we originally were going to do like 15K for four or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we realized one of these other initiatives we could do if we cut mine down a little bit. So I think we're doing like 9K for two, uh, two articles yep. now. So it'll be interesting to see. It's, it's exciting, but also kind of like intimidating because, you know, I got to have something to show at our next retreat. We're going to do... We did this this time, too, because we, we, we started this initiative experiment last time, but we didn't actually have uh, money uh, attached to it like we do this time. But we yeah. started the retreat by basically people demoing what we worked on um, over for the over the last uh, couple of months. So the the next time we do that, it'll be kind of even it'll be higher stakes, not because yeah. like we, you know, I mean, it's just higher stakes because we, we actually invested money and people are gonna be like, all right. So like, how do you spend that 9K and what do we get for it? Yeah. Can you so okay, so a couple questions. So during this meeting you guys proposed a bunch of different initiatives, correct? Yeah. Um those are all going to be ongoing together at the same time. So you're working on your the two articles um with your budget at the same time obviously the rest of the money was divvied up to some other initiatives. Yeah. Are those other initiatives on the same time frame that yours is? Yeah. Like four so we we all scoped them to basically have something to demo um at the next retreat. Okay. And at the next retreat, we'll do the same thing. And maybe we'll end up continuing one or, you know, the, in- the initiative that Cutting we're doing one. now will make it obvious that we need to continue it. But yeah. there's no expectation that the re- that whatever you're working on now will continue beyond the next retreat. And f- for something like writing articles, I want to get to a point where either have we have like internal roles that are always writing articles um, mm-hmm. or we have some sort of relationship with external writers who are always producing articles and not just having to use one of our initiative slots every every retreat to get some people yeah. to raise their hand to, to write articles. But I thought since we haven't written anything in a long time, this would be a good way to kind of jumpstart things a little bit and see and see what we can do. Gotcha. So I don't know if you can talk about this or not. What were some of the initiatives that you guys brought into this meeting from the last meeting? Like what were some things that were – obviously you said they didn't have the money backing them yet, but you guys still had come up with some initiatives that yeah. were maybe going to be worked on. Were were they worked on? Did people kind of show with – Yeah, we had – there was progress made on the initiatives from last retreat. So one of the big ones was there's a piece of software called Notion that we decided to kind of go all in on with a lot of our internal uh, – processes and record keeping so there mm-hmm. was a team that i was played a very small role on that spent the last few months getting a lot of our internal processes loaded up into notion and teaching everyone else how to use it and we're pretty much fully running on notion now moving a bunch of stuff out of trello and a bunch of stuff out of google docs you know examples of things in notion are you know the um so some of our key things like our, our spreadsheet for well no more like um our client invoice schedule so gotcha, okay the ver- various clients and when we have to invoice them and the money they owe us you know our member payment schedule so when we all get paid um how much we get paid and when we get paid and it's not as straightforward as it sounds because we have that kind of funky process where we're all W-2 employees, you know, making uh, a small uh, salary and then making a project rate when we're on our project. So keeping track Mm -hmm. of all of that information takes um, a decent amount of work and just all the other kind of internal stuff that a company needs to to run smoothly. Plus what we call our governance record, which is essentially all of the roles and agreements that we have made um, as a company. We have a process called governance uh, that we do every couple of weeks where we can propose changes to the various roles that comprise the company and the agreements that we all live under. And those are all saved in Notion uh, as well. Gotcha. So that's an example of one. I mean, I think some of the other initiatives was 
One was around kind of figuring out our hiring process, and that team ended up deciding to um, use a, a software tool that they found. So they've been trying to stand that up. And I think actually one of the initiatives for this uh, trimester is getting that fully operational and testing it with a couple of new hires. Uh, there was a, an initiative around training. Um, so if we bring in new people, do we have an actual process for training them? And do we have the materials for that? Traditionally, we have not. People have just kind of learned um, on the ground. But that's not sustainable. And I think a version yeah. of that actually continued on into this year uh, as well. Or this cool. uh, trimester as well. Would you guys ever... So if I remember correctly, you published one or two editions of the ready like magazine that 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 mm-hmm. publication that went out in physical copy was that just once uh two there's two of them two um is yours a potential recreation in the future of that or because the writing you guys were doing inside that publication that was all was that all in-house at the ready slash- yeah i mean really the stuff in those in the those magazines were stuff that we had already published on medium for the most part okay uh polished up to a little bit higher degree, but there was nothing written for those magazines that we didn't originally write for medium first. Okay. Uh, so I think we could, I could totally see us doing a, like a third issue of the magazine at some point. And I obviously these two articles that we're writing would be candidates uh, for that for sure. And so it, for an example though, so in maybe next retreat or two retreats from now, I could bring an, as an initiative, Hey, we should put out another issue of the magazine. And mm-hmm. then it'll go through the process with all my colleagues around figuring out if it's really the type of thing that we should invest in at this time. And if it is, then we'll elect a, a, an initiative steward and we'll decide how much money we need to, to be able to do that. And that'll be one of our funded initiatives. Gotcha. So real question is, Sam, are you going to be writing one of these articles? Maybe. I don't, yes, I don't know. I'm still figuring. So tomorrow is the first day. Fridays are not client days for me for the most part. And that's when mm-hmm. I, I have an email marketing role at the ready and I now have this initiative steward role. So that'll be my first day where I can really dig into it and make a bit of a plan for how I want to tackle this. The main thing I want to do is find an editor to work with. And then I'm going to sit down with some of my colleagues who are writing stuff and have expressed some interest. I'm going to look at some of my own article ideas and I'm going to potentially reach out to some freelance writers uh, that I enjoy and um, kind of get a, a lay of the land of what is possible out there and then mm-hmm. figure out. I mean, I think honestly, the way you get to do two really great articles is you actually have multiple ones in flight early on, and then we can decide which ones are showing the most promise and actually invest the most uh, into those. Um, so I'll probably throw my hat in the ring as one of the writers, hopefully. But I have, a, I have a lot on my plate and maybe running this initiative and like working with the editor and kind of being the facilitator of all this is going to take up more time than I think. And I may not have time to write it all. Yeah, I was going to ask, and this might be a little too inside, inside baseball, a little too much interior. But um, does the people that are taking these initiatives on, do they um, do you get compensated any differently for running an initiative? Or is it more of like this is kind of a voluntary thing? Um where you're tackling an initiative for the next four months. Basically the initiative steward can use that bucket of money however they want and compensating themselves for whatever work they're putting into it is part of their decision making. Gotcha. Um, So, you know, part of my work tomorrow will be figuring out how much money do I need to set aside for an editor? How much do I need to set aside for writers? You know, what, what is reasonable to set aside for me as I work on this? Um, yeah. you know, we do everything incredibly transparency, so, uh, transparently. So 
there's no really risk of like an initiative steward being like, I paid myself $20,000 yeah. because we'd all be like, well, what the hell are you doing, bud? Like, yeah. that's, and that's one way to like ruin your reputation in the ready and never work on a project or be elected an initiative steward again. Yeah. So it sounds like a pretty quick way to get removed from the ready. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Um, well, cool, man. Sounds like, so it's a productive retreat. Yeah, it was a really productive retreat, and I th- I think it's because we got and we had some good high level strategy conversations as well. We did an activity called re- uh, a red team activity where basically we brainstormed how if we were a company trying to put the ready out of business, how we would do it, mm-hmm. um, like basically how we would drive the ready out of business, and that's always an, a fun activity to get yourself thinking um, in a really different way, and that drove some good conversations about our strategy and what we should be doing um differently yeah. coming up so was it was it mostly assassins was that what you guys decided <laughs> probably yeah. you know what assassins did not come up but I, next time <laughs> next time we do that activity i'll have to throw that one out there i'm just saying if you got to take them down and you can't beat their work or anything yeah. or not the easier easier way uh, you can hire hitmen yeah i mean <laughs> I, sure. I i i suggested maybe the corporate equivalent of that which is just buying the ready Oh yeah, that's true too. What's your guy? You know, you have to determine what what's your guys' dollar. How much? Yeah, what's I don't your, know. What's your what's your cost? I, um, we have no desires to to sell ourselves, um, but I'm sure you know Aaron as our as our number one shareholder. He I'm sure he has some really high number in mind. And if some crazy company came to him and said that number, well, maybe yeah. maybe it would happen. Never say never. But I, that's not the uh, the plan right now. Yeah, that's that's what John Roderick always talks about for performing. You know, you have that number, that that BS number that you throw out in your head, thinking that they'll just walk yeah. away, you know, to have you perform at their kid's birthday party, yeah. and you just hope the number you say is high enough that it just gets them to go away. And if they want to pay you that, that's awesome. And sometimes people want to pay that or will are willing to pay that. Yep. Um, I'm sure Aaron has that number. Well, we're pretty deep in this episode here, and yeah. I'm gonna just X that mini topic because it's real mini, and it can come back. Well, in the and here's the thing: it's not it's not a mini topic, man. I got thoughts. Yeah, yeah got it's morning thoughts it's morning, about it. It's morning routines, everybody, and I also am very interested in morning routines. Um, not just my brothers, but also you know, people always like to know like what did famous writers do and playwrights and all these different people. Um, and so I actually am. I think it could be a main topic as well. You ever, uh, not you, that I have a good one or a best one, but I think there's some interesting. You ever to go be. to the website mymorningroutine.com? I think I have. It breaks down kind of famous you people's should, routines, um, right? You should you should go to it, and then okay. um, I want you to do something for me. Okay. Well, why don't you keep talking for a no, second while I pull this um, up? Well, hold on. This thing was going to be really cool, but I think there may not be a search. Oh, there is a search field. Okay. Then I want you to click on routines. Hold up. This is my morning routine. Uh, dot com. Dot com. Is it, there's a book that they're trying to sell me? Yep, I, I've got it. Oh, is it? How is it? It's like a bedside it's, table. It's book. fine. Yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of interviews. So, did you click on routines at the top? Um, yep, clicked on it. All right, then scroll down and see that search field on the left. Full time jobs. Yep. All right, I want you to type in. Uh, listen closely. Sam Sperlin. You submitted yours. Writer, PhD student, you should change that shit. Uh, <laughs> or was that what was you a were a long time ago? Yeah. There we go. Boom. Oh, I'm on this. Little, I'm on this website. You have a little profile. Oh, this is yeah. adorable, Sam. What's that? Yeah. That picture. I took that picture. You did. You did take that picture before I left that's, for grad school. That's on the back of. That's our picnic table. <laughs> it is no, our picnic I'm gonna, table. I'm gonna read this later when it's not. Um, yeah. 
you know, on the and show. It's, I mean, it's mostly BS now. I, my morning <laughs> routine has changed dramatically, I think. Well, we can talk about that too. It'll be interesting to hear how how it yeah. developed with your. But so we'll 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 ahead and save that. We'll put that um, yeah. on the back burner and bring it back in the future. Yep. But we should talk about a little bit the future of, of work. this podcast. Yeah. yeah, the future of fields of work. So, are we done forever? What what's the plan? I don't think we're done forever, but, but I think we are done with season one. We're done with season one, and when we set out, we did not determine a season length, but luckily. My job is very seasonal, and it um, does have a set length. And as we kind of talked about and recapped on this episode, that we are—I am—at the end of my season of work, and I'm sure for you, there's not quite as much of a season. But I know we're approaching the busy times for you, yeah. as you just pr- also told us about this initiative and all the other things you have going on. That, um, and obviously, as the last three episodes have proven, it's hard for us to get together and record. Um, so we've been tossing some ideas back and forth, and we think that fields of work will be done in a season style. Um, what that means specifically for the future, we have not yet determined. You know, like a season length and things like that. Twenty is a good now, number, though, right? Like, I'm pretty proud that we hit twenty on the first I think season. Twenty is good. Good and round number. It is. And honestly, if we started when my season started, it could be closer to 25 or 30 um, because I started earlier. But I think we can say that it will naturally flow a little bit with at least my work um, because I foresee myself in the future only farming seasonally as well unless I move to Hawaii or something. But um, (laughs) for now, the the northeast seems like where I'll be. So you might be at home saying, well, damn, what do you do? What do I do without fields of work all the time? You know, (laughs) that's That's my classic Saturday morning coffee podcast. Yep. Um, and we love, we love that we're that for you, but we are not going to be not putting anything out. We do kind of have some plans for, for what, what could happen. Yeah. We were thinking it might be interesting between seasons to do, um, some kind of experimental episodes where we talk to at least one other person, um, and interview either other people with interesting jobs or family members, regardless of how interesting their job may or may not be, (laughs) um, just to you know, get some other voices on here, experiment with what this podcast could be, do it at a little bit less frequent time to give ourselves a break, and then um, you know, do some work behind the scenes to better website, you know, build out our topic list, maybe have a little maybe we'll have an actual jingle. Who knows? There's mm-hmm. so many things we could do to make this podcast better. Uh, so we'll take the winter time to do that. And then come back uh, strong and ready to go with a season two sometime in the uh, either late winter or early spring. Yeah. So I guess uh, in that case, we can sign off for season one of Fields of Work. I've, uh, I've been Max. And I have also been – no, wait. I'm Sam. I have been Sam. And hopefully you'll, uh, you'll heal from us soon. Oh, you will. And a, brother that sound, and a third brother that sounds just like us. <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to really confuse people, isn't it? Sure is. That's all right. That'll be great.